Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Voice America welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now, here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Good morning, everybody. We have a lot of information to get through today, and I'm very excited about the guests that we have on our show. I feel like I know him for lifetimes. Um, his name is Craig Rosebra, and he is a filmmaker a writer, an academic, and an activist, and he is finishing up um, the assemblage of what's going to be a very, very, very impactful movie that will be released in 2012 called Greedy Lying Bastards. And if that title didn't get your attention, you should probably go off the air. <laughs> Welcome, Craig. <laughs> How you, you doing? Am I open? <laughs> I'm glad I cracked you up. You want, to, you want me to do that again? Please, please do. Just, just hearing the title, I think, alone uh, gets me every time. <laughs> well, it was so much fun. I, I, I told you that I was very excited to actually say it on the air because it has so much, and so much more impact than some of the working titles that you, you know, were playing around with in the past. This is going to get people's attention. And um, the next question that everybody on the air is going to ask and everybody who hears the title is going to ask is, what's this movie about? So I'm going to leave that to the filmmaker to give me the general answer to that. Sure. You know, in the title, it, the title is in your face, and that's the point. It really speaks to the heart about what the film covers. And that is the power and dominance of the fossil fuel industry. You know, um, I started this project about two and a half years ago as an exploration into the fossil fuel industry and, and our addiction, really, to fossil fuels. And I thought, I'll be honest, you know, Cindy, I thought I knew a lot about the industry. And, uh, you know, what we uncovered during the past, you know, two and a half years just blew me away. I really had no idea the lengths the industry goes to, to maintain its bottom line, to make sure we're, you know, continually addicted to their product, uh, you know, and uh, it, it just really just blew me away. So I thought that for sure we need a title, you know, that really speaks to the heart of the issue, and Greedy Lying Bastards really does. Boy, does it. And I have to say that the logos look terrific. There's so much fun we could have with them. I hope you like the ideas that I'm seeing everybody wearing T-shirts and masks and then having it plastered all over trees. <laughs> oh, definitely. I think, you know, this movie really comes down to exposing the truth, the truth behind the industry. And so the more we can get the word out about that truth and the more 
people we can educate, you know, the, the better off we're going to be in terms of a nation and, and the world in terms of our energy policies. Yes, I think that's very true. I have to say also for the listeners that, you know, this is not just um, only a documentary that has brilliant interviews with brilliant people, um, very, very um, impressive um, folks that you got to go on camera with you, Craig, but... Um, you know, also, all of the work that you did around the world. I mean, you know, you didn't really cut back here. There's film from five continents and nine countries. And, you know, I, even though what we're seeing is sometimes startling, the cinematography is absolutely beautiful. I know that sounds really odd to say that when, you know, we're trying to make a point, but I think that you really capture some of the beauty in the world. Um, of, you know, what the fossil fuel industry is quite responsible for destroying and seeing some of the damage that has been done when you're watching the floods and people's crops that are destroyed and people that have to migrate to other communities and people who say to you, Craig, that, you know, there is no debate mm-hmm. <laughs> about global warming because we're living in it right now, you know, look sure, at me. Sure. And, that, and you capture that, and it's not, it, it's, it, it's just so um, un, unreal that it's really hard for people to believe that it's real, but it is, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, it was heartbreaking, you know, hearing the stories and, and meeting the people all around the world who are impacted one way or another by this industry, you know, just, just really tore at my heart, um, you know, the... The community and communities in Tuvalu, for instance, that are uh, experiencing the impacts of climate change and wondering, you know, how much longer they're going to have a culture. Um, you know, they're having to leave and perhaps go to Australia or New Zealand. Uh, the communities in uh, Uganda, where we went and, and spent time with, who are suffering from, you know, an increase in floods and droughts, a irregular pattern that's really impacted their livelihoods and ability to support themselves and grow food that, that really feeds their entire area. Um, you know, all the way down to Peru, you know, we went and looked at the shortage of water because of the melting glaciers down there uh, and the impact that has on indigenous farmers. Uh, you know, all over the world, this industry touches communities, individuals, uh, one way or another, whether it's, you know, through climate change, whether it's the direct devastation caused from oil extraction, um, you know, including the Niger Delta, arguably probably the, the dirtiest and most impacted area in terms of oil contamination, and just seeing what that does to communities and seeing, you know, little small children playing and swimming in this, in this water that is so cloudy from oil that, uh, you know, they get out and they're covered with this just goo, you know. It just tears up the heartstrings to think, you know, what we go through, you know, every single day to ensure that we have, you know, the, the current lives that, that we, you know, continue to live and, and then knowing that there are, there are alternatives out there and we could be using those alternatives and employing those alternatives if we wanted to, but there's a very powerful industry that is uh, ensuring, you know, that change doesn't occur. And that's what we're trying to get to is exposing that industry with the film. And you, you, certainly, you certainly do that, Craig. I want to also interject at this early juncture in the show 
that um, that Craig is highly educated, um, and I think that throughout the interview, everybody should know that not only does he have his master's, but he also recently finished his law degree. And, you know, so, Craig, I, I congratulate you for being so tenacious and wanting to make sure that you were fully educated so you could look at all angles of this situation. Oh, sure. I mean, I think it's important. While the name, you know, Greedy Lying Bastards, it's a little comical, it's a little in-your-face, uh, you know, it really, what is behind the scenes in this film, I think, is a very honest, a very um, thorough investigation, you know, on all all levels of, of this industry. And, and like you said before, Cindy, we didn't, stop, we didn't stop short in terms of our interviews. We have everybody from uh, the Secretary General of the United Nations, Ban Ki-moon, on camera, to Henry Waxman, uh, who, you know, a representative from uh, California who has, you know, tried to fight against this industry for years. We have uh, former EPA Administrator Christine Todd Whitman, who was in the EPA during the Bush-Cheney administration. Uh, we have uh, delegates, you know, top scientists uh, from all over the world, and as well as, you know, individuals in communities around the world who are impacted. So, you know, we have a great number of interviews on all sides of the issue. We even went, went out and uh, interviewed as many of the uh, global warming or global, you know, climate change skeptics or deniers as possible just to ensure we had their voice in the film as well. So I, I think we've done our best to, to make this a very uh, high-level, very educated film that, that uh, tackles the issue without, uh, without leaving anything out. Oh, I, and I, I really want to make everybody aware that when this film does come out for... Um, wide viewing. I just encourage everybody to see it because it's one of the few movies that will probably make people think about how they can do things differently. And if, you know, everybody doing a little does a lot, right, Craig? Exactly. Exactly. The smallest steps, you know, in the end make the biggest difference. So it's important that you know, my goal in making the film was to not only shed light on the industry and and allow some kind of truth to come into this whole situation and our addiction to fossil fuels. But in doing that, to, to really inspire and energize people to make changes in their everyday lives that can really make a difference around the world as a whole. And um, you also do quite the personal journey in your, in your car, and you travel <laughs> from state to state in the U.S., particularly in the areas of the Gulf and particularly also in the areas where that were affected horribly by the Deepwater Horizon tragedy. Um, you know, when you thought about making this movie um, about the fossil fuel industry and its impact, did you say to yourself, oh, my God, I have to drive from town to town for my own, you know, journey and talk to these people myself, because these interviews, as you know, the, your PR team think will be very, very impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was a personal journey for me, and, and I'll admit that, yes, it was a learning experience, and the more I delve into it, the more I got sucked into it, and the more I wanted to learn just as an individual, and so 
you know, I became a, a um, prominent figure in the film, and you really, as a viewer, see the investigation through my eyes and see what unfolds as I'm seeing it in the film, which I think is a wonderful way to do it, uh, because I'm learning along with the viewer. And in the end, I think I'm, I get just as, <laughs> just as frustrated as I think the viewer will um, after, you know, seeing and learning all that goes on. And particularly, you know, in the Gulf, uh, you know, we started this film before the Deepwater Horizon disaster. And, uh, of course, when that occurred in April of 2010, uh, you know, we couldn't ignore it. It was, you know, very much on issue, on point. And so we went down and spent quite a bit of time, uh, two years in a row, uh, down the Gulf and interviewed individuals impacted all through the Gulf states. And, you know, the stories that came out of there and continue to come out of that region are just, just incredible, Cindy, just incredible. I know. it. Well, it is quite incredible. I mean, you know, what did the Gulf residents tell you about the size and um, the pace of the payments through the BP claims process? Because you know that there are some very emotional moments there. There are. You know, initially... You know, what we saw, I think, as, as a nation and, and really around the world were BP coming in and having a massive PR campaign saying things like, we're going to make this whole, we're going to ensure the situation is taken care of, we're going to be here until the end, etc. You know, we saw their commercials on TV and how they were cleaning up the area and, uh, and making residents feel better again and, and helping them. And, you know, to a little bit of a degree, that's true. But as a whole, you know, there is much more to the story than what, of course, we see on, on the uh, BP news bites or their television commercials. When, they, when the uh, Deepwater Horizon explosion first occurred, of course, there were 11 men that uh, tragically lost their lives in that. Shortly after that, as the oil began to move to the shore and it was clear there was going to be an economic impact to the residents of the Gulf region, BP began paying out initial disbursements of uh, approximately $5,000 per person. As long as, as long as there was a legitimate claim, pretty much anybody that had a, you know, a business that could show a loss was going to get a $5,000 check. And, so, and, and BP did, did do well on that. They paid out their initial 5000 uh, immediate checks across the board. The problem came when, uh, as, of course, the spill continued and the contamination continued and the beaches were closed, of course, the seafood industry suffered down there. You know, a lot of people in the Gulf suffered financially, severely suffered financially, and continue to do so. And so the problem really came with what, what has been termed interim payments, the payments that would come after the initial $5,000 payment. Uh, and that is where BP has really dropped the ball. And there's estimates that have said that now, um, you know, Kenneth Feinberg has only administered roughly and paid out about 16% of all the claims, interim claims that have come after, you know, as a result of the uh, the loss suffered from the Deepwater Horizon oil catastrophe. Well, that's so 16% well, listen, of their entire, entire amount they've only paid out. So there's a lot of people in the Gulf that, you know, are still waiting, you know, to, to get some kind of relief. And, you know, there's no... There's no kind of sign that it's coming in the near future. No, it, and, you know, that's, it becomes, this is so clear in the brilliant work that you did in interviewing some of these people um, and 
you know, filming some of these people while they're in very much in despair. We're going to have to take a quick commercial break, Craig, and um, we have you on for three more segments, so we'll certainly repeat the important points and go on to other questions. So please stand by. Don't go away. Learn more about greedy, lying bastards. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. If you have a question or comment, call in at 1 866 472 5788. Now, back to the show. Here's Cindy Rakowitz. We're back, and we're with Craig Rosebra, and he is the filmmaker, director um, of Greedy Lying Bastards. And this is a documentary that will be released in 2012. And I'm hoping that it changes lives and makes a lot of impact. But we're going to continue on with the interview. Um, so as time goes on, it seems that more health issues and even instances of death are surfacing down in that area. We were talking about the Gulf in the last segment. Um, many people are now emerging with health problems linked to exposure to the crude and or the dispersant used. I mean, this is ongoing, and it doesn't seem to me, Craig, that the mainstream news media has picked up the extent of the illness that you seem to cover in the film over you know a long period of time. Tell us about that. No, and it's it's really um, disappointing that the mainstream media doesn't seem to have picked up on it because the issues are very serious down there. And like you said, Cindy, there have been um, you know deaths as a result of the chemical exposure related to the Deepwater Horizon uh, oil spill and the dramatic use of the dispersants down there. You know, we talked with uh, one individual, uh, Stephen Aguanaga. Who he went down um, to the uh, Gulf Coast. He's from Mississippi. He went down to the Gulf Coast in Florida with a friend of his, their lifelong friend, and they were staying at a beachfront hotel. And this was during the summer of 2010. And uh, you know, visibly on the beach, there was no sign of contamination. There wasn't. You couldn't see oil in the water. There was nothing washing up ashore. And so they asked the uh, the hotel, uh, you know, are the beaches safe? Can we go in the water? And they were told that, yes, the oil, you know, never made it that far over, you know, in the Gulf region, so it's, it's perfectly safe. 
they went out swimming, you know, on, on, a, uh, on a Saturday afternoon, went out swimming and spent just a little bit of time in the water and came out, and they were covered with, as they described it, an orange goo. Uh, and, you know, didn't really think anything of it, but they actually started feeling, all four of them, they went with their wives, they all started feeling ill, kind of like they were coming down with the flu after that for the rest of the day. The next morning, uh, Stephen's friend Merrick Valian, he went back in the water, not thinking, you know, not putting two and two together and not thinking there was going to be a problem. He came back out and he was feeling even worse. Within three weeks, Merrick Valian died. And uh, Stephen Aguanaga has uh, started at that point to have severe uh, symptoms of chemical exposure. And ever since then, Stephen continues to have uh, these symptoms, which are, you know, very severe, including seizures. And that was just one case. We went down to uh, the the tip of uh, Mississippi, right on the coast, and uh, spoke with Shirley Tillman. And, you know, both her and her husband are, uh, you know, very ill from experiencing uh, direct, you know, a direct hit of the dispersant while they were out on uh, a boat during the Vessel of Opportunity program helping to clean up the oil. They were hit with dispersant uh, directly, and so they've experienced a lot of health impacts. Um, but the, what really struck me is their grandson, Gavin. He is, they, they made sure to never bring him to the beach, you know, when after, this, after the catastrophe occurred. He never went to the beach, never played in the water, and he was uh, sicker than anybody in the family. And the only thing that, that uh, they can think of and the doctors can think of is he got it from the air, uh, which means that dispersant is coming in like a vapor, you know, off of the Gulf Coast and impacting, you know, individuals' lives. But I think the worst case that, that uh, we, you know, really uh, spent time with was the case of um, Clayton Mathern down in Louisiana. And Clayton was out on the water about a half a mile from the rig when it exploded. He was on a supply ship. And uh, they started immediately doing search and rescue operations. And um, Clayton actually pulled a friend of his, um, his body basically out of the water in parts from the rig. It was one of the 11 men who died from the explosion. Clayton suffered such terrible health impacts from not only the crude and the chemicals uh, from the crude burning out there, but, you know, BP started spraying uh, dispersant both at the wellhead, overhead, you know, in the air, as well as on the surface of the water almost immediately after after uh, the explosion, and Clayton, you know, was just covered in the stuff. And uh, his impacts were so severe that uh, he was uh, hospitalized multiple times. And even during our interview, uh, he was rushed to the hospital, and uh, he was diagnosed with paralysis in one of his legs um, that was, you know, a direct result of, of his exposure to the contamination. But very importantly, so, Craig, you say that very few doctors will treat people who are showing signs of this alarming toxicity. Why? That was one of the frustrating uh, things that we couldn't really come to terms with as to why there's so many people. I mean, estimates of thousands of people throughout the Gulf states are impacted, are having these kind of symptoms from the chemical exposure. Why aren't the doctors treating them? And what we heard time and time again from you know, these ill uh, residents down there is they would go to their doctor and they would be treated for regular kind of health problems because a lot of the times the chemical exposure will start out mimicking other health impacts like bronchitis or the, the common flu. And so they would be treated for that. 
But when the symptom would, would continue and they would have to go back, you know, to their medical professionals and there was a link made to chemical exposure and that link was made obviously to the BP uh, Deepwater Horizon disaster, the doctors more times than not would refuse to treat at that point. Um, and the only thing that we can figure out, and this was, you know, uh, discussed at length with chemists and the different doctors and residents down there, who are, you know, involved in the issue, is that a lot of the medical uh, personnel down there are so intertwined with the industry, whether it's the, the oil industry directly or they have some sort of ties to it. Uh, that's one reason. The second reason is BP has so much money, a lot of the doctors down there, uh, we believe, are, uh, have been afraid to come out and make diagnoses uh, you know, related to the chemical exposure that can be traced back to BP for fear that, you know, BP, if it ever came to litigation, could instantly say, well, this doctor isn't an exact specialist, you know, in this exact type of toxicity, for instance, you know. And so a lot of, a lot of honestly, a lot of doctors were afraid of litigation, and that's what it came down to. Yeah, and so there well, were only a very small number of doctors who were willing to treat people uh, down there. And, uh, you know, they're doing, you know, amazing work and having some good success, but it's unfortunate that, that more of the medical community has not, uh, you know, stepped up uh, to the plate and, and helped the residents down there who really need it. Well, you know, you mentioned before that there were $5,000 disbursements that BP had given out right after the crisis. Am I, am I reiterating that correctly? You are, yeah. Okay, but then, you know, what... What they're not covering, it seems, are these kinds of um, treatments for, um, you know, ongoing toxic medical, you know, victims. Am I correct? I mean, you know, are they doing anything far, anything more than the initial payments that they dispersed? In terms of medical treatment and medical compensation, no. You know, Cindy, BP came out in, um, I believe it was November of, of 2010, and, and said blanketly they would not pay for any medical treatment as a result of, you know, the, the BP Deepwater Horizon oil catastrophe and the related contamination. They just wouldn't do it. And the reason for that, you know, is, is obviously they did not want to acknowledge that there was any kind of problem. They didn't want to acknowledge that people were getting sick in the Gulf and that the dispersants used and that the crude that was spilling out was impacting people's lives and, and causing these health issues. Um, so, I mean, but we do see people that have, you know, that are suffering in your film that, you know, um, are literally, you know, frustrated on the phone with claims departments not getting anywhere. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, their only recourse is uh, litigation at this point. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the people impacted are not, not wealthy people. They are, you know, um, lower income, lower to lower middle income uh, individuals who don't have high-priced attorneys and can't afford high-priced attorneys, especially when you're, you're considering going up against an entity as powerful and as wealthy as BP. And so, you know, the thought of litigation is very daunting for a lot of these individuals, and so they feel like they have no recourse at all. I think that you're going to have to go after this, Craig, and get your Masters of, law, of Litigation in Law. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I wish it was that easy. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, it would it would be terrific if you had them, you know, if if you could be arguing on their behalf because you are relentless and very knowledgeable about this issue. Talk about the, you know, the when you tested food. Um, you talk about people coming out with, you know, goop on them. And, um, you know, what did you find when you tested the sediment and the water and the shrimp? And we'll have to make this fast because then we have to go to another commercial break and we'll pick up in the next segment. Sure. In short, um, you know, when we, I, I thought it would be important for us to test ourselves because we were hearing, you know, from the federal government and federal governmental agencies that the seafood's safe. Um, but when we were in the Gulf, I was hearing from different scientists uh, down there and chemists down there that a completely different story, that what they were testing and what they were finding was completely toxic and unsafe for human consumption. So we went down and tested uh, um, shrimp, we tested uh, sand as well as water. And the most remarkable was the shrimp result. That came back uh, 10 times higher than the safe limit that was set uh, by, you know, by BP and the federal government after the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. Ten times higher the amount of petroleum hydrocarbons are in the shrimp that we tested than are allowed currently by the FDA. And those are, you know, those shrimp are making it into the U.S. food supply. They're saturated into our U.S. food supply. Uh, so it's, it's very frustrating to see a completely different story on TV and know that, that people all around the country are eating, you know, this seafood and know what our test showed and what other scientists and chemists that we talked to and interviewed, what their test showed. Uh, it's, it's a completely different story, and it's, it's really frustrating uh, that there isn't more being done on that issue by, by the federal government. All right, we're going to talk more about that in the next segments. Please don't go away. Join our discussions, everybody, about Greedy Lying Bastards on Facebook and also at Greedy Lying Bast, B-A-S-T, on Twitter. We need you to get involved in the conversation. Thanks. Stand by. Don't go away. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Get free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call 866-472-5788. 
Let's get back to Stars of PR. Here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. I get to say it again and again, greedy, lying bastards. I always wanted an excuse to say that, and now we have a film that has that title. So thank you, Craig, so much for allowing the world to say greedy, lying bastards when they're referring to this film. I think it's terrific. Going back on track, because we have so much to cover with only two more segments left, um, why do you think the smell tests conducted by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration are insufficient for detecting contamination? You know, when I first heard of the smell test, Cindy, I, I honestly thought it was a joke. I mean, we're talking about people's lives here, our health. And to think that um, some scientists who, you know, granted they're well-trained and their, their snouts are probably, you know, much more proficient than mine is, but to think that, you know, our health is being left in the noses of scientists who can somehow smell for a particular level of petroleum hydrocarbons in fish is astounding. I mean, I literally, I thought it was a joke, but sure enough, that was the federal government's response to the making sure the Gulf seafood was safe. And, you know, when we went out and tested, you know, our, our uh, sample of particularly shrimp, you know, we found the results of uh, petroleum hydrocarbons 10 times the amount that was considered safe by the FDA after the BP uh, Deepwater Horizon oil spill. And I should say that back, you know, back when the Exxon Valdez spill happened, we had a different level that was considered safe um, back then. You know, we had, um, uh, back at that particular time, we had, I believe it was 11 uh, parts per billion uh, with a B. That's how much we would allow of petroleum hydrocarbons inside the seafood that was coming out of the Alaska area, you know, and still have it considered safe for human consumption. For some reason, it's unknown to anybody we talk to the federal government and BP raised that safe level of, of uh, petroleum hydrocarbons 45,000 times higher after the BP Deepwater Horizon spill to 500 parts per million. Uh, and so when we, you know, conducted our test um, on fresh-caught Gulf shrimp right off of Grand Isle, Louisiana, that came back at 10 times higher than the newest level set by BP and the federal government after the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. So, you know, to think that, you know, the, the scientists' uh, noses that are, that are, you know, being used to somehow test this fish and make sure it's safe for us to eat is enough is, is obviously not correct. I mean, this is, this is something that is just horrendous, and, and I can't believe it, and anybody that really knows about the tests that are being done by independent scientists and chemists down there can't believe it either that, that uh, number one, that the smell test continues and it's, it's considered legitimate, but also, uh, more importantly, that the Gulf seafood, you know, is still contaminated and is ending up in our U.S. food supply. And that, that to me, is inexcusable. Mm, it makes me think twice about eating shrimp, but shrimp isn't the only fish that's affected by this either, and um, I think that a lot of people are going to start thinking twice about what they're putting into their systems. Why do you spend so much time showing climate change skeptics if you think their views are so out of sync with what the scientific community really believes? 
That's, that's a very good question. And, you know, one of the parts of the film that, that uh, I wanted to explore was this pseudo-debate, because it's not a real debate, a pseudo-debate over climate change and climate science. You know, so many times we see on, uh, for instance, Fox News, that there is still a debate about whether or not climate change is occurring. We see, you know, oftentimes uh, two different sides represented in the media. Well, off, you know, at the same time, what we're not told is that, you know, for years now, the overwhelming majority of top uh, scientific academies around the world have been in a consensus that the debate is over, that climate change is occurring, and that humans are having a significant contribution to that climate change, and that if we don't do something about it in terms of reducing our greenhouse gas emissions, there's going to be and already are very, very severe consequences. And so there is a very, very powerful force behind the individuals who continue to deny the existence of climate change and human-caused climate change. And that force has been continually, for the last uh, decade or more, uh, paying for that misinformation to get out. And these climate change deniers are very, very skilled at what they do. They can go in the media and have a very, very quick, you know, three-second soundbite, and it's enough to, to allow that confusion to, to reign in the viewer's, you know, viewer's mind and allow you know, people sitting at home watching TV to think, well, maybe the issue isn't decided. Maybe, you know, maybe there is still a debate about this issue, when, of course, there isn't. And that dark force is the very fossil fuel industry. And so we feature the top global warming or climate change deniers in the film and allow them to have a voice and, and, and really to uh, expose them and to allow their own voices to, to really bury them. Because, you know, oftentimes, Cindy, what they're saying is rehashed, already disproven science, uh, they're talking about theories that have been disproven by the top scientists around the world, and they continue to say this um, <clears throat> because they know that the more they say it, the more people will think that there's some you know, confusion over the issue, when in fact there isn't. You know, the science is in, the debate is over, climate change is happening, and we wanted to expose them for who they are and who is funding them, the very industry that stands to benefit from our continued addiction to these fossil fuels. Well, I think you make it very clear and brilliantly. Again, you know, all you know, it's the industry's PR campaign. <laughs> you know, to keep oil as um, you know a great commodity that only has its benefits and no detriments whatsoever. So, you know, what you expose is you know their own PR campaign. And it's, it's a very costly PR campaign, too. Just to give you, you know, two examples, two of the, I think, the worst uh, proponents of this, of this uh, denial campaign and this PR campaign against climate science have been ExxonMobil and the Koch brothers, or Koch Industries. And this isn't Coca-Cola, this is K-O-C-H, Koch Industries. And, uh, you know, in, in the last decade alone, uh, ExxonMobil and Coke Industries have each spent nearly $25 million, and this is each of them, $25 million just funding this climate denial campaign. And those are only two, those are only two businesses. Those, those are only two fossil fuel companies. Uh, so this is a very, very you know, highly efficient, well-paid, and uh, very um, <clears throat> provoking and damaging PR campaign that they have waged, and they're very good at it. Very, very good at it. 
Well, you know, I, you, you can't deny that, that they're good at doing their PR campaigns. But what is no. the upshot of the campaign to deny the validity of climate change and the human contribution? I mean, that, again, just goes back to, you know, supporting the, these oil industries, I would guess, right? Exactly. This all comes down to the bottom line. I mean, in this entire film, the entire project we worked on, you know, Greedy Lion Bastards comes down to the bottom line. It comes down to making sure uh, that, you know, the federal government has lax regulations so, you know, they can continue on as business as usual. It ensures that, uh, you know, climate change issues continue to be uh, a source of confusion so no legislation is passed that means that these big industries have to change the way they operate. It comes down to the bottom line. And uh, that is something that, you know, in terms of changing, which, you know, which is, I think, the most important thing to take out of the film is how do we get away from this? I think it's very important to realize that, you know, by investing in, in green technology and forming the new green economy, uh, you know, these companies can stand to benefit uh, as well if they desire to change and, and when they do change. But so far, you know, they're very, very... Uh, wholeheartedly stuck on, you know, continuing to ensure we have our addiction to fossil fuels. But are they, do you think that there is some research going on in the oil industry and, you know, really trying to find alternative sources of energy? I mean, are they at least researching it? Maybe perhaps they're not finding the cost benefits to be as great as fossil fuel and, you know, that's why they're hesitating to make changes, but... I mean, do they know the alternatives? Um, do they have the alternatives? Sure. And, you know, when I used to, even, even the last few years, uh, when I would be watching television, occasionally I would see a commercial from Shell or from BP or Exxon, and it would be talking about their investments in alternative uh, energy uh, exploration, including, you know, biofuels, algae, you know, solar, all these different types of, of programs, which I thought, well, gosh, that's, that's wonderful. I'm glad they're doing it. You know, they have the capital, they have the resources, you know, and power to really do this if they want to. Well, in the process of making, you know, this film, we find out that, you know, while some of them do invest uh, in these technologies and in this research, their investments, you know, are extremely minuscule compared to the continued amount that they're investing in oil extraction, continued, um, you know, research and development of, of oil products, et cetera. I mean, we're talking about much, much, much below 1% oftentimes. And so do they invest? Well, sure they do. Do they invest enough? Nowhere near enough, you know, to make a difference. And, you know, we believe, and, you know, the scientists we interviewed backed this up, that the technology for us to eventually wean ourselves off of this addiction to fossil fuels, that technology is out there. It's been with us for years. And it's just a matter of us deciding, you know, as a society that it's now, now is the time that we want to make that change. And because of that, that dark force that's, that's very, very well funded, you know, the fossil fuel industry, so far, you know, we have not been convinced to make that change. Well, listen, Craig, we're going to have to take our last commercial break. I bet you you think this show is going very fast. It, yeah, this, well, you know, in the film, there's so much to talk about. There's so many issues that, that come out and so much that surprised me. I'm, I'm just thankful to be able to, you know, relay at least a little bit of that, you know, to your listeners. 
Well, and this is going to be available in perpetuity because, remember, Voice America is live, but most of the listeners pull down the podcast from the archives. So if you haven't heard the show, folks, please go into voiceamerica.com or onto the BR Public Relations website and pull down the link and share it with your friends and come on to the Twitter pages. Dirty Lying Bast, B-A-S-T, is our Twitter URL, and um, we certainly have a lot of fun discussions going on on Facebook, and you can join us, and we'll put the link of the show up on Facebook when it's available early next week. Um, don't go away. Come back with the last for the last segment with Craig Rosebra and Greedy Lying Bastards. Don't go away. <laughs> talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1-866-472-5788 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not, but she will answer your questions. Back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. We're back in our last segment with Craig Rosebra, and he is the filmmaker, director, greedy, lying bastards. You know, we had a more tame name, and then, uh, you know, we were, you know, going over with, with the co-writer, uh, Patrick Gambuti Jr., and some of our producers. You know, we, get, we got so frustrated at, at seeing, you know, <clears throat> how much this industry has continued to pull the wool over all of our eyes. And, uh, you know, kind of jokingly, we, we just kept saying, these, these, you know, greedy lying bastards are getting away with it again. And finally, you know, we finally just decided, you know, why don't we just call it for what it is? Why don't we just really expose this industry for what it is? And that's, how, that's actually how the name came about. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really brilliant. Um, you know, it's, uh, it was really fun being a part of your debate and um, decision process and, uh, I think that it's going to go a very, very, very long way, and um, that's why you know I think everybody's going to be very supportive in this much stronger title than some of the working titles. 
Okay, well, Craig, you are known as an environmental activist. Um, you know, you, you have a history, and you're very, very passionate. I must add that you're very, very sweet, too. When someone sits down with you in person, you know, nobody, nobody's ever going to say scary. They're going to say sweet, intelligent, um, articulate, you know, well-spoken, um, just extremely passionate about your beliefs, and, um, you know, are you a little concerned that, you know, because of your background that the film will just simply be seen as propaganda for your own points of views? You know, that's that's a great question, Cindy, and and something that I've thought about quite a bit, and, and how to address it, how to approach it, and, you know, I don't want to shy away at all from my background, and, and don't think I should, um, but... I think it's important that, you know, we address this subject respectably and, and honestly. And, you know, we've, we've gone out of our way to do quite an honest investigation of the industry. We've made sure all of our, you know, sources are well documented, they're legitimate. You know, we went out of our way to interview prominent, you know, climate change skeptics that are funded by the industry. Uh, we let them, you know basically have, have their two cents worth, and, you know, we do an honest, honest debate in the film about what they're saying. Uh, we even made attempts to, you know, talk with CEOs at Exxon, with Coke Industries, Shell, and BP. I actually even went to the, uh, the Exxon shareholders meeting and, and uh, asked a very, I think, polite and respectful question with uh, Rex Tillerson, the CEO. So I think, you know, <clears throat> while I have an environmental background, I think that only adds to the, to the film. Uh, I think it adds to my, my reason for wanting to investigate and find out more information. And just the fact that, that I had an environmental background and I thought I knew about these issues before I started the project and how much I learned uh, as a result of the project just amazes me. And I think it's going to amaze the viewer, too, as they walk along in my footsteps and the investigation is revealed you know, through my eyes and they're kind of learning about all this stuff as I did. I think it's a great, great approach to do that, and I think we've done a great, uh, honest and respectful approach to this film that, that's going to be well-received. Well, I don't think that anybody can deny that it's very well-balanced. You do really make a great attempt at ensuring that voices from both sides are heard. I, you know, anybody that you know, pulls apart the film can't deny that you really tried to be a journalist here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, get responses from everybody, um, whether it's on the oil side or the political side or the victim side. And, um, you know, I, I congratulate you for doing all of that work. Um, you know, so as we come to the end of this interview, Craig, what do you hope to accomplish with this film? We've, we've covered everything, I think, and you, you know, in this interview. Um, in terms of the relevant parts of this movie, and if you want to reemphasize any of these points, you certainly have the time to do that now, but I will, again, start with the question. You know, if you were to um, have, you know, three top things on your wish list or five top things on your wish list, what do you think can be accomplished, and what do you think is realistic? Well, first and foremost, I would like people, you know, to realize how strong and powerful this industry is and how dominant it is over all of our lives. And, 
you know, it, it might sound strange, it might, it might seem obvious, but I thought it was obvious, too, before I started the project. I had no idea the lengths and the depths that this industry has gone to to ensure our addiction to their product continues. And so I want to expose that with this project. I want people to understand and learn and know how far this industry has gone to make sure we keep being addicted to oil. That's the first step along the path to change. We have to understand and, and know about what's going on in order to change it. And, you know, I want, and I, I think the viewer will, by the time they watch, get through the end of the film, you know, I'm so frustrated and so angry by the end of the film after, after learning all this about the industry. I want the viewer, and I think the viewer will be, both angered and inspired to do something about it. I want them to get up out of their chair in the theater you know, wanting to take immediate action. And that's something that I think that we do. We set the film up well to not only, you know, anger people, but, you know, inspire people to get involved. And I think, you know, for the most part, I, I want to expose this industry and, and really show them as the greedy lying bastards that they are. Do you think that, you know, that they will do anything to change? I mean, you know, one of the things that's covered is, you know, there should be more safety checks. And, you know, that's been said over and over again. And every time there's a crisis like Deepwater Horizon, it's like, well, did they do the right kind of safety checks? You know, are they making it safe? You know, are they being preventative? You know, are they spending enough money in precaution? I mean, do you think maybe that we might see a little bit of improvement there? The one thing I've learned from this uh, industry is that the industry itself uh, will not and cannot regulate itself. Uh, the bottom line is much too powerful. Uh, their responsibility to ensure maximization of profits to shareholders is much too strong for them to be able to regulate themselves. So we are looking at an outside governmental agency or government as, as having the ability and the need to regulate them. And so that's where the question needs to come in, Cindy, is, you know, is our Congress, is, are, are our various committees that, that oversee this industry, are they going to finally step up to the plate and begin to uh, really regulate and, and put in various uh, legislative uh, measures to ensure that not only do uh, no, you know, horrendous atrocities like the BP Deepwater Horizon oil spill happen again, but also to ensure that we're having a reduction on our greenhouse gas emissions, which is very, very important for all of us and the longevity of the planet. And without the ability for Congress and the willingness of Congress to do that, we're not going to get anywhere on this issue. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's, it's frightening, and, I, and I, I think I'm going to repeat what I said before, is any little change that anybody can make will count um, I mentioned to you, you know, a couple of weeks ago that we went and got a Prius. Mm-hmm. And it's not a big change, but it's a little change, isn't it? It's a very great change. You know, any, any small step is, is going to help uh, for sure. Anything that we can do in our individual, individual lives is going to make a difference because collectively that makes a huge difference. And I think one of the greatest things that we can do also in addition to our own lifestyles uh, if we want to make that extra step, is to contact, you know, our uh, elected representatives and ensure there's pressure put on them to do the right thing to regulate this industry. Well, you know what, Craig, you gave 
us a fantastic interview, and we really want to thank you for taking the hour to give us sort of a behind-the-scenes, you know, interview with. Oh, I, I appreciate I appreciate the uh, opportunity to talk about the film, and you know, you're always very, very fun and a thrill to to talk with Cindy. So I, I greatly appreciate the opportunity. Well, we have to try to make even horrific things fun, don't we? <laughs> we certainly do. Although, otherwise, life life isn't worth living. You know, we have to we have to definitely see the the bright spot in everything. Well, listen, um, I'm looking forward to talking to you soon. And for those of you listeners that have tuned in late, please go back to the beginning of the show and listen because it really has a lot of in-depth information about what goes on behind the scenes with Greedy Lying Bastards, which will be released in 2012. Um, So everybody have a great safe weekend, and thankfully for those of us living in Los Angeles, it should be cooling down. Be good. Take care. Thank you for listening to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Please come back next Thursday and every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern for more insider information on the world of public relations with Cindy Rakowitz on Stars of PR. See you next week. I am an American Idol. I got synthetic pistol. I kill my mama to get out on your TV screen. I am a death row psycho. I am a tabloid criminal.